Well, good evening and thank you for joining me. I'm Anne. Last weekend, I um, brought to you a part of a book, um, A Symphony in Sand by Calvin Miller. Today, I'd like to bring you part of this book, Eyes Turned Skyward by Max Myers. Um, it will take a little bit longer, slightly, than the normal length of time for a reflection, but I think it's worth it. Max, in his early career, was a jet fighter pilot with the Royal Australian Air Force, and um, he describes one particular night when he had to go up to do some navigational exercises. It was dark and it was rainy when he took off, and it was very, very bumpy going up through the clouds. He concluded it wasn't a very good night for flying. But at about 35,000 feet, he broke through the clouds and came out into a brilliantly clear night sky. And he said it was like the stars were so close he could just reach out and clutch them. Well, he spent very little time just taking it all in because he had a job to do. And so he did his exercises and then it was time to head east and back to home base. He could relax, the pressure was off. And he switched the um, radio from its dots and dashes of the navigational beacons to a classical music station that played 24 hours so that he could have some lovely music going on his way home. And we join the story when something very memorable happened on his trip. It was barely discernible at first. Far ahead, increasing in intensity as the minutes ticked by, a blood-red horizontal line appeared in the dark, in the blackness of the sky. Away to the south, I noticed another line, the same brilliant red, not straight like the first, but curled and irregular, arching high into the atmosphere. What followed was a stunning display of colour, a gradual progression to pink, then a softening to warm orange and gold. This amazing light, whose source lay far beyond the horizon, chased away the blackness of the night and yet did not in the slightest way diminish the brilliance of the stars. The curled irregular line to the south became the outline of a towering cumulonimbus cloud, a wash in the same spectacular variegation of red, pink, orange and gold. An awesome sight. This was no extraordinary stellar phenomenon. Nothing so rare as the Aurora Australis or the Northern Lights. It was simply the rising of the moon. The minutes went by. Before long, the picture was complete. The first golden arc of the moon broke the horizon and then full and round it climbed quickly into the blackness of the night. The more vivid colours gone, 
its magnificent now silver glow laced the cloud and filled the eastern sky with a warm luster. I gazed in awe through the fighter's gun sight and the front panels of the cockpit windscreen. This night's moon seemed different. It was not the same familiar passerby in the sky. This shining satellite of the earth seemed so close as if its silken, dusty face was to be my landing place. It was a gigantic, round, silver ball, a massive, pockmarked, inanimate thing of beauty, moving silently, inexorably higher on its journey in space. Fighter flying is a rather macho business, but this was no macho moment. This was an experience of pure emotion, of pure romance. Turning down the volume control of the radio, I watched in awed silence. To share this moment, so extraordinary and glorious, even with music, was to diminish its splendour. And as I gazed, mesmerised at what was before me, a deepening sense of awe and wonder dawned. I was seeing God at work, and he was showing something indescribably beautiful. To me, alone. No one else that night on a cloud-enshrouded cloud earth would see what I had seen. I was an audience of one for this amazing demonstration of God's creative genius. The King and I. Marvellous words about him from the Psalms burst into my mind. Other verses followed, familiar since childhood, but now imbued with fresh and vibrant significance. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Psalm 19, verse 1. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him? the Son of Man, that you care for him. Psalm 8, verse 3 and 4. I had known God all my life. I had known him personally, relationally, ever since teenage years. But at that freeze moment in time, audience to an astounding demonstration of his glory and creative genius, the wonder of a personal relationship became infinitely more precious. The irony of it all, the smallness, the weakness, the fragility of my humanity, especially as I was squeezed into the restrictive cockpit of a modern-day jet fighter plane. It seemed unspeakable that a connection could ever be made between such a God and myself. Yet I knew it was real. 
He created the connection. He built the bridge because he loved me. The same power source that brought into being this magnificent silver ball in the sky ahead and placed it in its precise and totally ordered orbit, loved me, reached out in love and made me his child. He had even said that I could call him father. I couldn't kneel, I couldn't close my eyes, at least not then. My heart, indeed my very spirit, sang in delightful harmony at one with God. A solitary jet fighter plane became my strange and beautiful cathedral, the ejection seat, my pew. I felt safe there, cradled, held in a security beyond compare. I belonged to this master painter, this creative genius. He held me firmly, safely, lovingly. I closed my eyes then and worshipped, alone but not alone. Now I reflect with nostalgia on that glorious stormy night so long ago and I am reminded of a challenge it held for me. A simple challenge, clear, direct. Come, follow me. It demanded a response. It still does. I look forward to seeing you tomorrow. Bye for now. Mm -hmm.